I'm sitting here in my own house, minding my own business. Where you been? I don't think you can. I've been having a hell of a time. When I'm bad. End of question and answer period. Welcome to High Camp, the podcast where I try to watch all 406 movies from an out-of-print gay film guide before I die. I'm your host, Brian Rucker, and I'm very happy to be joined with, joined with, joined by <laughs> Blake Wilding today. Hi, everybody. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Excellent. Uh, not as good as you are, because I'm not going to see Robin tonight. Yeah, I'm going to go see Robin tonight. I uh, I had to go. I made a big stink last time. I couldn't get tickets. And then my boss was, like, given tickets by some rich person he knows. And oh, sweet. So did you have to pay for them? I meant last time oh, last she was time. here. Okay. And I'm still mad about it. He didn't yeah. even want to go, and I was crying because I couldn't go. Oh, my God. Uh, anyway, I'll be seeing Robin tonight. I'll let... <laughs> That's exciting. <laughs> Listen to the next podcast I'm yeah. on to find out how it was. I have never seen Robin live. Um, she's so good. I've been a fan of her music for a long time. It seems like it would be a good time. Well, she usually has a very simple setup from when I've seen her before. It's like just two drummers or DJ pianists. Oh, okay. I don't know. It's very simple. It's very yeah. Good. Does she do a lot of like, is there like lights and there's no like choreography, right? Or well, you know of. she's very dancey. Oh, yeah. I guess now so. she has this Vogue artist that does it with her. Oh, cool. So. Oh, you know what? I actually did see Robin at like a music festival. Mm. She did a short set. It was bef- it was before I think it was after her self titled album mm-hmm. came out, but before Body Talk. So yeah. she wasn't quite as big as she is now. And it was I think Radiohead was headlining, and she sort of played at like five p.m. And it was <laughs> you know one of those slots where I was, it was good, but I I don't think I got the full Robin experience. Probably not. I, I just sw- remember that she went on tour with Khalees, and that's the best concert I've ever been to. Ooh, I bet. I was four years old. I don't know how I got it. Yeah, in. I know. <laughs> oh my god, we're both well, we're both almost twenty-one. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, the best the best concert I ever went to, and this is depressing. <laughs> I it was like three days after nine eleven, uh-huh. and it was Bjork at Radio City oh Music Hall, and I was also four. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but my parents let me go outside, and oh, okay. it was it was fucking amazing. It was like so cathartic and crazy. Oh, because you were still when people weren't allowed to like leave their house, and yeah, we well Shakira canceled a concert I was supposed to go to because of nine. Uh, no, that was the DC Beltway sniper. <laughs> oh, well, same difference. Well, I guess Bjork must have already been in town, mm-hmm. or she was living in New York, I think. So mm-hmm. it was sort of like she was already supposed to play at Radio City, and then it happened, and then. Um, she didn't cancel the concert, and she played Anchor Song, was like her, uh, what is it called, finale, encore, and it became like very emotional. Oh, okay. It's great. <laughs> um, so. We're serving 9-11. I know, 9-11. We're I know, serving I'm, everything this podcast. I'm going to, I think I'm going to talk about 9-11 in every episode <laughs> thus far, or every episode going forward, just to get everyone in the right mood. Uh, so, Blake, what... Have you been watching lately? Anything exciting? Anything campy? Anything you want to recommend to people? Uh, I guess that's two questions, so it's two answers. Uh, mm. <laughs> uh, a lot of the shows I love have ended, so I've been doing rewatches from the beginning to watch the last episode. So, like, Adventure Time I just finished. Oh, cool. Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Okay. It's Always Sunny. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess it's not over, but... How many really... seasons... Uh, it's Always Sunny has been, what, it's like, like 13. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I watched once, and I like that show. It just never... I never kept watching it. I watched the season where one of the characters became fat. Yeah. It was funny. 
Yeah. I it, guess he's not fat anymore. It's funny. It's kind of like grandfathered in. Like, I don't think this show could start today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it is pretty progressive. Uh, yeah. But as far as camp TV slash movies, I guess, uh, The Act. Oh, my God. Did yeah, you watch it? Yes. It is... I just don't even know where to start. It's, well, it's so Emmy nominated. It is. Joey King and Patricia Arquette are Emmy nominated. But she uh, wasn't nominated for this. She was nominated for like Witch Mountain or whatever. Well, she was, wait, she was nominated for Best Actress for Escape at Dannemora. Yeah. But wasn't she also nominated for Best Supporting for this? Or oh, no? maybe. You might be right. I think so. I, I think you're right. Um, so this is based on the true story. There's a documentary, Mommy, Dead and Dearest, about the woman, young woman who. Gypsy Rose Blanchard. And she killed her mother because her mother was like kept, basically kept her prisoner in her own house and convinced her that she was sick. Um, and like five years younger than she was. Yeah, all this fucked up stuff. And then Hulu made a scripted version. Like eight episodes. Uh, I don't even know where to start. Well, one, the girl's voice in real life is like, she 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 kept her talking like a baby. Yeah. So like for Make a Wish, like they had a house made for them from Habitat. Yeah, they were all, they got all of their stuff from charity because they convinced the world that this girl was like chronically ill. Uh, and the the young actress that plays her, Joey King, like does the voice perfectly. Yeah. She's so good. She's good, but it is wacky. Uh, Chloe Sevigny plays their white trash neighbor. Yes, I mean, cl- like Chloe Sevigny as a nosy neighbor, no, nosy neighbor is, white tra- is so perfect. Uh, I, yeah, and she, she's such a bit. She's so funny. Uh, Juliet Lewis shows up as uh, Joey King's character Gypsy Rose meets a man on a Christian dating site, and he's also into BDSM, and all this is true. And his mom is played by Juliet Lewis. Uh, who is becoming a true camp icon, I feel like, between that and between Ma. Um, I was also going to talk about Ma oh, today. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think, yes, talk about Ma. Well, uh, well, I, I, I tried to look up the last few movies I saw. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, last, yeah, Like in theaters, and the last movie I saw in theaters was Ma. And I just like, this is the kind of shit like I leave the house for. Like, totally. Yeah. I haven't seen, I'm not going to see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Now why, why do you say, you've said that, you said that to me already. You just don't like Quentin well, like it, well, or, a bunch of men doing men's stuff in the 60s. Uh, straight men. I don't know. But it's Margot Robbie as Sharon Tate. Yeah, but Margaret I know she's going to die. Well, or does she? I don't <laughs> know. I haven't she? seen I it. Know. Everyone will have seen it by the time But I will see out. the Hillary Duff one, if that ever makes it to the shore. I think it's already on like VOD. Oh, okay. uh, so yeah, Hillary Duff did a Sharon, like the haunting of Sharon Tate, which sounds really disrespectful. Well, it's it's to me. like, well, it's like a what if Sharon Tate had a nightmare of the murders and like fought off the murderers. I okay, think. I don't know. It sounds gross. It's it's. Gr- I mean, they're both gross. Uh, yeah, I guess everything is gross. But Ma, I had to see Camp Classic. Ma is yeah becoming a, a Camp Classic. Missy Pyle was in it. Right, Missy Pyle is like the slutty girlfriend who really gets it. <laughs> uh, <She> really- <laughs> Juliette Lewis is great. Of course, Octavia Spencer. Of course, the best yeah. role of her career. She gets it. She's amazing. Any movie with um forced uh perspective, what's it called? Where it's two different fields of vision, but they're both in Oh, I don't I don't know any film terms. Unfortunately for the people listening to this podcast, I didn't go to film school and low I know shallow focus and I know crane shot. Okay, well it's not that. It's mm-hmm. um well it's very camp to have like Two things in different fields of vision, oh, okay. both visible on the scene. So there's one shot where Ma is up close, the character Ma, and the kids are in the car talking about Ma, and they're behind, but they're both clear, whereas oh, if yeah, you're yeah. just focusing on Ma's face, you wouldn't see you the wouldn't kids, see the and kids. vice versa. 
It's just like a, a camp. That is a camp touchstone. Thing. What is I I should know that. I term. think De Palma uses it a lot. Yes. Like, I call it forced perspective. I, I think that's probably right. Uh, I should look it up because I hate speculation in podcasts, but I think I'm right, so I won't go. <laughs> Before the next episode, I will look up film terms, <laughs> and so I'll know what I'm talking about. Just one a week. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's a good idea. But Ma, Ma was fantastic, and I really recommend it. Yeah, if anyone likes, I mean, obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, you like camp movies, and this is close to, yeah, as close to a camp classic as we've gotten this year so far. It also has a lot of plot similarities to the act and Mommy Dead and Dearest. Oh, yes, yes. And I, <laughs> I wonder if, I mean, they must have at least, because it's Tate Taylor who written wrote and directed The Help, yeah. which is also just very camp that he did The Help and then he did Ma. Uh-huh. Uh, but he must have been familiar with the case or have seen the HBO documentary when he Ma was writing. Ma was shelled it. for a year or two. Was it? So he must have been reading about it because there is a another Munchausen's by proxy situation happening. They're always, I mean, if if anyone's a fan of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, uh, there's a big Munchausen's plot in that for a couple of years. <laughs> is there? Not by proxy. She thinks, oh my yeah, God. Yolanda Hadid. Look oh, it up. Yeah. Did you see Greta earlier this year? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. The, the that's like the new double feature. Yeah, totally. I saw. I, I had to see. I had to see Greta. I had to see Ma. Those are like the two biggest camp movies of the year so far. Yeah. What's her name? The old French lady. Isabelle Huppert. Yeah, she was great. She's uh, the, a genius. Who's the girl on that? Uh, Chloe Grace Moretz. Who I whom I normally hate. She's I, like. Yeah, she's like a blank slate. I feel like she can be good in certain things, but she's she, a child actor who. Didn't get rid of the ticks. I think. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I, I, I'm, I watched Thirty Rock too, and she's in that. Oh, and yeah. I don't find her believable in that, but she's very funny. No, she was very precocious as a kid, and now as an adult, yeah, she hasn't found like a new lane. I did think she. Did you see the Clouds of Sils Maria, Mm-mm. the ACS movie? She's she, Kristen Stewart is like what's well, Kristen Stewart and Juliette Binoche, and then Chloe Grace Moretz plays. Uh, like a teen actress oh, in the movie, uh-huh. and she's very good at playing <laughs> that, but that's like not a stretch, obviously. But Greta was also good. Yeah, Greta's great. I think I think I said this before on an episode. I thought Greta had like higher highs and lower lows than Ma. Ma's yeah. probably a more consistent. They talk about movie. both of these on this. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's like what else is there to talk oh, about? Oh my god, sorry. No, no, no. Uh, um, no, Greta was a slower burn, and it it, it really fumbled the execution. I think whereas Ma would like fun, like. Slam, the end was a slam dunk. Yeah, and Ma's like Blumhouse, so I feel like they they know what they're doing. It's mm-hmm. like a it's a very like spiffy product that they put out. Uh, I saw an old movie this week and a new movie. I saw Craig's Wife, which is this uh-huh. old Rosalind Russell movie um, that was directed Who's by. That? She's she's like an old, like in the same. Well, we're gonna we're about to talk about a, a Baby Face by Barbara Stan or by with Barbara Stanwyck. And Rosalind Russell was a contemporary of Barbara Stone. Oh, okay. she, like, Auntie Mame. Mm-hmm. Um, also on the list. Yeah, also on the list. Uh, she was Gypsy, in, or not Gypsy, she was the mom. <laughs> Gypsy Mama Rose Blanchard? Well, the namesake of Gypsy Rose Blanchard oh. was Gypsy Rose Lee from stripper fame and Gypsy. <laughs> but Also, I did... Sorry, are no, we no, done no. with the act? Oh, I had oh to, yeah. I had to do a sad gay character for a piece I wrote oh, really? and I pretty much emulated Patricia Arquette emulating a, a Baton Rouge accent. It is a it is a great like Bayou but accent. She doesn't do it. It's not right. It's just whatever she does. Yeah, it's like totally over the top. I'm not sold on Patricia Arquette Oscar Award winner if you wow. need to know. Yeah. I mean boyhood she's good in it. I think it was like a career award. Mm-hmm. I thought well I still haven't seen Escape at Danamora. Well, I haven't seen CSI Cyber or whatever. No. 
Um, okay, I'm sorry. So you saw oh Cra- Craig's, Craig's, wife. Craig's wife, which is like a very dark. It's also a pre-code movie. Ah. I think it came out around when when Babyface came out. But it's Rosalind Russell as this like upwardly mobile wife of like a rich man. Um, but it's about instead of Babyface is all about. Barbara Stanwyck's rise and Craig's wife is all about Rosalind Russell's fall. Oh, like it no. starts off and it, I think it takes place within 24 hours. And in those 24 hours, she just totally alienates everyone in her life <laughs> from like her husband, oh her mother-in-law, her friends, her neighbors. And then by the end of the movie, she just has nothing left because she's been such a bitch to everyone. It's fantastic. And um, relatable. It's so relatable. And I, after I saw it, I was like, oh, I need to like Send some be a better friend to people or I'm going to end like, I need to like hang out and like be social and like, and like ask people about their lives and stuff. Cause if I don't, I could end up like this woman. I feel like I would get the wrong lesson and be like, remember that smile she did towards the end? Was she actually happy? Oh yeah. No, this is, it was, it was so dark watching this oh, movie. Okay. I was like, yeah, it was very, very sad. But, um, if anyone gets the Criterion channel, uh, all these movies by Dorothy Arzner, who is like a female director from the 30s. They're on Criterion Channel, and I highly recommend Craig's Wife. I will say, Brian does not know movie terms, but he no. sorted the list of movies by like actress. Oh, well, because, okay, so like, yeah, this list of 400 movies that are in the two volumes of High Camp, it's so overwhelming to see them. So mm. I, yeah, I spent like a day making a spreadsheet. It wasn't creative work, it was like busy work. Um, but yeah, it was well, worth he it. had the year in it. Yeah, yeah, you so could that, search that, by yeah. year, genre, genre, director, actor. But it was sent to me, <laughs> sorted by actress. Oh, is so, that the way that it was sent? Yeah. To you? Okay. So, uh, oh, I also saw quickly, and what's quickly? No, I saw. I was going to mention something quickly. That oh, I saw. okay. <laughs> the the farewell, uh, um, mm-hmm. which is the new Lulu Wong movie with Aquafina. It's not really campy, but it's just a great family movie. By the time this comes out. You'll have probably seen it because it's been out, it will have been out for a long time. But yeah. I think honestly, are you, are you a big Oscar person? No, no. I feel like I, th- I think I was, and okay. then they were like, I feel like it's been a few, bad few years. Yeah, I don't know. I just love it every. It's like my sports. Yeah. So uh-huh. I think this will be. This is like the first movie that's come out this year that I think has a real chance of like competing for big Oscars. Um, well, tis the season, right? It's coming up, I guess. It's July. I think most of the big ones don't really start coming out till like October. But at least the trailer, like when I saw the farewell last night, at least the trailers were all like fall mm-hmm. Oscar movies, which I'm so excited to be rid of like <laughs> summer movie wise. I kept seeing ads for that. The guy goes to like a Malaysian prison and becomes a fighter. Oh, what's that? I don't know. Look it up if you're at home. It's a new movie coming out? I don't know. It might be out already. I, I just... Okay. <laughs> the type of ads I see, I just don't... I keep seeing the Terminator trailer uh, yeah. with the Bjork song that's sung by a man. Uh, it's irritating that they don't actually play the Bjork version. Trying to save some money? I think people would be alienated by Bjork's voice. Like, the, the, the wide audience that they want to get for the new Terminator movie, it would be, like, pigeonholed. I they... Sia. Yeah, Sia is, like, just the... Sia. I guess so. Um, what else? I uh, saw both hairsprays recently. Oh, like the John Waters and the yeah. whatever the guy is? Uh, which, have you seen them? Yeah, yeah, of course. Okay, of course. Um, I, I mean, I don't dislike the, the remake. It's cute. Like, John Travolta is, is very, like, he's very broad. In yeah, it. yeah. Um. Yeah, I love the music. I love Michelle Pfeiffer. Oh, yeah, she's amazing. Uh, but the, the original's better. Oh, of course. And more progressive, weirdly enough. 
Yeah. I don't know when you've seen them, but I just, I, I had to watch them. And then... Yeah, I haven't seen either of them recently. I just saw um, Polyester a few weeks ago for an episode mm-hmm. of this po- podcast. And I, but like John Waters, I've seen all of his movies when I was younger and some of them I like watch a lot. And then Hairspray is one that I haven't really revisited in a while. Yeah. But uh, it's great. It's good. Yeah. Um, let's move on to our main topic, which is... Babyface, 1933. So, out of the, like, 400 movies that I sent you, why... Well, I gave you some parameters. Because <laughs> I was like, can you choose an old one, please? Yeah, yeah. He requested an old one that was not horror, and I obliged. Yeah, so... Although but, I think all the horror are kind of in the same era, like, 70s, 80s. Uh, so, I picked this one. I don't know how or what I was reading recently, but it came up. Uh, well, I'm reading Zafloya, which is this, like, Charlotte Dacra, like gothic novel and it's about this woman who her parents are corrupt and then she becomes corrupt and it's just about seizing power and shunning her femininity in order to be evil and seize more power is this from like the 19th century or newer like 18th century like oh wow yeah like oh cool uh before jane austen oh wow uh because jane austen references it in some book i don't know okay uh, and so I maybe it came up on like a scholastic article about the book about like you know part of this movie is suppressing your womanhood. Hmm. Uh, Nietzsche's quote about cutting off all sentiment. Yeah, like it's it's part of the themes of the book. So I'm, I this came up in something I read recently. And I'm like, let's just watch it. And I saw his pre code. I'm like, I haven't seen anything pre code really. Totally. Yeah. Like I I've seen a few pre-code comedies like Trouble in Paradise, uh, which is sort of about a threesome. Uh-huh. But this might be the most uh, like explicitly sexual yeah. <laughs> pre-code. I mean, there's like the Mae West ones, but those are very sort of over the top and campy. And this one is like real. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> it's so it's so good. I, w- I felt like so revved up after watching this. Oh, Just like, oh, I want to like, like get out there and like conquer the world. <laughs> yeah. Through sex. Yeah, well, it's just like a, basically a manual... Uh, on like how to be a slut and like a successful slut and like get what you want. Yeah, but also in like the old timey sense where like, you know, when I don't know why it made me think of this, but like when you're playing D and D and your character is like hot and she can okay. seduce the guards in a way that nobody would ever do today. Nobody would trade this much power for sex anymore. I don't think. Maybe I'm naive. Yeah, I don't know. But I mean, people do, but they're crazy. There's so many people. Yeah, and it's like a wish fulfillment because this is not taking into account that like the danger that women get put in it when you yeah. know they're being sexualized and like the the physical power that men have over women. So she she basically yeah, starts from the very bottom. Her her dad runs a prohibition era bar, and she waitresses there, and she implies that he's been I wouldn't say hooking, but like he's been like pimping her out since she was fourteen. Maybe not pimping, but just being around men. Yeah. I think it's like you can infer that he's been at least encouraging her to sleep with he his He leaves customers. her alone with influential customers, yeah. especially ones that can protect him from the cops and being shut down. Yeah. And then she has uh, a friend, like a, a black friend who, I mean. She's with like the, her maid. Yeah. she beca- Well, she becomes, like she's, she's like a, a fellow waitress at this bar and then they're friends and- there's some maybe sexual tension between them. Like maybe I'm reading. I into was it. trying to pick up on that because I really wanted to force that narrative. Yeah. But 
I'm just going to call her Babyface. Uh, it's funny when you don't call them by the character names. But Babyface is Barbara Stanwyck for the purposes of what I'm going to say. Yeah. Uh, she was very protective of Chico, mm-hmm. which was the maid character. Yeah. Who had draggy eyebrows. Chico, totally draggy eyebrows. Um, she was played by Teresa Harris. Uh, and it, yeah, they were very, they did not seem like 30s eyebrows to Mm-mm. me. They're very modern. Yeah. And what I loved about this performance was she did not want to commit to being stereotypical. Any, no. Any line you could tell was written to be offensive, she just <laughs> half-assed. Yeah. Agree, which, more power to her. I know, I can't imagine, like, you know, being a black actress at that time and, like, fighting for just the scraps of, like, whatever garbage roles are written for you and then, like, having to, to figure out something interesting to do with it. And she was able to, like, create something. But, but it was interesting, and we'll talk about it later. I guess we need yeah. to finish the plot. So then her dad burns down in a distillery accident. Uh, yeah, he's, it's like a steam situation and he... The distillery blows up oh, and he's, in the, the, he's okay. in the barn. Yeah, so he dies. Uh, so Barbara Stanwyck, and her character is not actually called Babyface. She... Agreed uh, to Lily, disagree. Lily. <laughs> you, they don't mention her name that often. Lily Allen, Miss Allen. Yes, Lily Allen, exactly. So she like... Oh, so she has a, there's like a customer in the bar that is sort of this protector or like mentor of her. And he's this old German guy who just gives her Nietzsche books to read. Yeah. And then he gets mad that she doesn't understand Nietzsche. Yeah. She's like, I tried to read it, but I couldn't understand well, it. Well, I was reading into this performance. I feel like she was in love with him or something. Or maybe he's her maybe. only father figure. Yeah. And like, he was super German, which is weird. Like, we wouldn't believe he was reading Nietzsche unless he was German. German. And like, this is 1933, so... They would not have had a German character that was a good guy even like a few years later, probably. Oh, wow. yeah. Um so she goes off and and makes her way. So wait, before we get more into the plot, let's talk about Barbara Stanwyck. Do you oh, have God. any reference for her? Like are there other movies of hers that you've seen or that you like? I don't know. Probably. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's weird because she she was such a huge actress at the time. Um, she got four Oscar nominations. She never oh, won, except she won like an honorary Oscar in the eighties. And but she was as big as you know as Katherine Hepburn or, or Betty Davis or whoever. But I think now, like her movie, there's certain of her movies like um, Double Indemnity, uh, The Lady Eve, maybe even Stella Dallas are like pretty well known. But I feel like she is not like, as iconic a persona as some of her contemporaries. Well, a lot of the movie hinges on how beautiful she is. Yeah, and she, I mean, she's very beautiful, but she's not, she has, there's, like, a hardness to her. Yeah. Um, But I also thought her performance is so naturalistic for the time period, like, more so than if you got, you know, Joan Crawford or Betty Davis. And I wonder if, like, that naturalism maybe has... Like, she, she's not as easy a camp icon because her acting is so good. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's just, I, I've seen a, f- a handful of her movies, and I'm always, like, she she disappears into a role more than a lot of the other. And she can, like, go between genres. Like, she can do comedy. She can do thrillers. She can do, and, and this is, like, just this, the most, like, sexy, hard-bitten role. She's sassy. She's mean. Like, it's the same dialogue that would be in a comedy of yeah. that era, but it's, it's not, not meant like, to be funny or, like... No, it's not really played for laughs because, I mean, the country was in, it was like the worst part of the Depression. Yeah. And so I think this was like, yeah, wish fulfillment for people. And her her life, I just read a little bit on Wikipedia before this, but like she basically lived this life. Like she grew up in Brooklyn. Her her mother's um, maiden name was Catherine McPhee. 
Oh my which, god! Wow, that's that's camp right there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but then, like, her mother died when she was four, and then her do- her father died soon after. So she was like raised by her older sister and super poor, and then she like became a showgirl when she was like sixteen, and then just went to Hollywood and like. And apparently, the original character um, from A Star Is Born is based on Barbara Stanwyck oh. and her first husband, which I thought was interesting. And then the other thing about her that I learned. I guess I sort of knew it before, but she was like a hardcore right-wing Republican for most of her life. Boo! I know. So if she was still alive today, she probably would be a Trump supporter. She probably wouldn't like us very much, but we can still like her in death. I, I support Babyface. Yes, baby, the character of Babyface. Yeah. Also, mm. <laughs> I watched the trailer. One of the lines was like, she plays the love game. Wait, was it a trailer like from the time period? Yeah. Oh, cool. I love old trailers like yeah. that. And it uh, gave away all the plot points. Yeah. I mean, trailers still fucking do that. Um, Am I right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Let's, yeah. Uh, so she goes to New York, and then it's very literal, like, what she does. She literally sleeps her way to the top yeah. of a building. And they have all these, it must have been a model, like, shots of what department she goes up. And it's, like, a camera panning up a building, and each floor is labeled, like, Mortgages. Yeah, like accounts, blah blah blah. And uh and so like the fur she she like gets into a taxi, she like asks a cop, like, Can I get a job in this building? And he's like, uh uh-huh. And then Well, we're missing something, Pimple. Hmm. Before she leaves, the professor, the German professor tells her women have more power than men. She needs to use men to her whims. She needs to m- manipulate men. Oh, yeah. He gives her this diatribe. This advice that I really feel like every girl should be given this exact yeah, advice. Yeah. Then the world would be more equitable. Well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, then she, she first, there's like um, sort of a overweight, creepy, southern, like, male secretary guy. Or like yeah. a, so that, he's he, her first conquest. He's the gatekeeper of, no, her first conquest was she needed to take a train to New York. Oh, right. And the train guy finds her, and she's like, let's sit down and talk about it. And uh, the, what's her friend's name again? Chico. Chico is like, oh, I see what's happening. So she goes off into the corner and sings. Yeah, that's pretty awkward if your friend is, like, hooking up with this dude and you're just singing in the corner. But she got them safe passage. She did. And why I remember this is because it's very Lolita and that when they're about to have sex... You see his gloves drop on top of each other. Oh, yeah. And then he turns off the lights. Yeah, it's funny. Like, even in these pre-code movies, they, they don't obviously show any sex. Um, and so, yeah, you're left. Like, it. yeah, the camera will literally turn away from them. And then, yeah, you, and that happens over and over again. Uh, so, yeah, she sleeps with the train guy. She sleeps with the, like, employment officer guy on the ground floor. And then she, yeah, she keeps moving up the floors. John Wayne, yeah, young John Wayne, is one of her conquests. I, I didn't realize they had had sex until the end. <laughs> oh yeah, because you never see like it sort of flashes forward to when she's already in sort of a relationship with John Wayne, but then the real like the next level up for her is his boss. Yeah. So she sort of like leaves him for his boss, and she keeps literally moving up the floors. And then finally she gets into a thing with the, I guess one of the like vice presidents of the bank. No, he's the president. Is he the president? Mm -hmm. But he's engaged to the daughter. This guy's like just a higher up. Yeah. Sorry. I got confused. Oh yeah. You went one step ahead. Two steps ahead. (laughs) 
so yeah, like um, the this guy that she has a real sort of sort of relationship with uh, is engaged to the daughter of the president of yeah, the bank, yeah. mm-hmm. and so she like uh, makes sure that the the fiance sees her kissing or with her fiance. So she breaks up with him and then she gets into a thing with the president of the bank and <laughs> causes them to do a murder suicide. Yeah. The, the not president, the vice president, let's call him that. Yeah. Uh, he's the one that kills the president and himself in de- desperate. I don't know. He's sad about it. I thought that was the one she was in love with. See, I, okay. So she, I, I thought she was so just cynically using everyone. Um, up until and even after that point. But you yeah. thought that she had some feelings for, the, for this guy? Maybe because he's like the cutest one she had sex with so far. Yeah, I think he's even cuter like, than the one that she ends up with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so the president is killed by the vice president and himself. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, so, so he he's murdered and the, the son-in-law or the whatever kills himself. They're both dead and there's the big a big scandal at the bank and she is known she was known to be there at the time so she's sort of like implicated and so the the board of directors at the bank need to do something about her and so they try to buy her off for like $15,000 and it's almost about to happen when this new guy the new president the grandson of the guy who founded the bank is established as like a figurehead in order to like re reestablish the bank's trust yeah after like this big scandal the bank needs to build trust among its clients or whatever also i don't know if this is a good place to say this but every person she hooks up with knew about her previous oh yeah dalliance and they just didn't care like, i guess not i mean i wonder like it seemed like every man in this movie is just sort of like accepted that even if they're married or whatever they're gonna have mistresses uh-huh. and so like you're miss and most like respectable women or whatever would probably not sleep with married men. So you sort of like know who you can sleep with and then keep going back to the same people. I have no idea. She also played it up like this was the first time I promise. Yeah. I wonder, cause she's so good at uh, like playing different characters for different people, like doing what people want to hear. Yeah. And yeah, it's almost like it, she's just sort of going through the motions because everyone n- must know, oh, this woman has had a lot of lovers or whatever, but she still has to sort of pretend to be pure or innocent. Yeah. I wonder how much of that is just sort of like both of them playing the part and or how much is she really well, she actually pretending like them. she never had alcohol before. Yeah. She pretending like she didn't drink, but she... And she won't say anything about her past yeah. as like the saloon daughter or whatever. <laughs> Um, so finally this guy comes in and he's played by George Brent, who was under contract by Warner brothers and basically played like just a boring love interest to whatever like big leading lady that they had. So like he's in a bunch of, um, Betty Davis movies and other people as just sort of like the sort of like a James Marsden or like maybe a Dermot Mulroney. So just like a good enough, not the most, well, I mean, attractive. So I, I take you take umbrage? I take umbrage. I just with feel that. like he always plays like the second banana to the Or like the put upon guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, but he's fine, but I see what you're saying. No, he's very sexy. But James, if you're listening. Yeah, I'm sure he is. <laughs> so then 
so then, oh, so then, yeah, this this guy, new president of the company, comes and is basically like, mm, we're not going to give Babyface fifteen thousand dollars. We're just going to transfer her to the Paris branch of this bank because she she puts on a front like, I just want to earn a decent living. All these men kept coming after me. I just want to work a day in my life and go somewhere where people don't know who I am. Yeah, and he basically calls her bluff and is like, okay, if you want to just work an honest living, you can work an honest living in Paris. And she goes to Paris. Now, do you think, so, like, is this part of her plan to, like, catch the bigger fish? Because she doesn't really want the $15,000. She wants the big prize. Or do you think that this is, like, uh, like not part of her plan? Like a I think it's a setback because she doesn't look happy with them. Yeah. She's like, you think of everything, don't you? Yeah, I guess so. I think, yeah, I think you're right. Like, I think she would have taken the money and then published the story anyway. Oh, totally. Because, yeah, that's the thing is some newspaper, like, was going to pay her that amount of money for the story. Um, but then, see, then her reputation, I mean, what, how, like, does she want to keep her reputation? Or is that $15,000 good enough to, like, be branded whatever, a, a harlot for the rest of her life? She'd probably move somewhere new and... Yeah, I guess it's not like now where... I mean, but everyone has such short attention spans now. Even if you're, like, shamed on social media, I feel like you can easily just be forgotten about. Also, the timeline of this movie is very, like... It could be a week. Yeah. It it could be a week. It could be ten years. No idea. It's... Well, the time from when she meets this dude, George Brent, to, like, the end of the movie is very quick because... Or, well, no, but she's working... She works in Paris for a little while. She works in Paris for, like, months. And, like, no one speaks French. And a couple people speak French, but... And she, like, doesn't hook up with anybody. This is where the long game starts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She has a new reputation in the office. She hasn't slept with anybody. Uh, um, yeah, and she's popular with the women at this new office. Cause yeah, all the women in the New York office totally hated her. Uh, and she still brings Chico to Paris, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Chico's her lifelong friend. Um, and oh, and you see her like by the time this part of the movie, like she, you could see her, uh, she gets a perm, she gets better clothes. Yeah. Her clothes keep get, I mean, these are the, the most amazing like 1930s, uh, gowns. Yeah. They, even her poor clothing when she was like broke, it's just very beautiful. There's a lot of black and white, which I assume is like of the age of black and white movies where you need, yeah. some, you need some visual interest. For sure. So, I, yeah. I don't know if that was part of the like narrative of c- conflict. Yeah, I don't know. Because uh, everybody else didn't really have like a color story. That's true. I mean, she, yeah, like she was in these beautiful gowns. I mean, there's not that many other women in this movie. Mm-hmm. There's like, you know, a couple secretaries and Chico and. Um, like the fiance and stuff. But. Even Chico's like clothing got better. Oh yeah, because yeah, she becomes her official maid and is in these um, confidant. Yeah, like rich person made outfits. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I don't <laughs> we know. Don't know. It, it's as far as you could have gone, I guess. Unfortunately, there's a woman vacuuming. Oh yeah, at her like nice apartment. Anyway, so she's she's a good girl in Paris, and then the new president of the bank, who has a reputation as a playboy, he's this George Brent guy who was held on retainer by the studio. Yeah, well, just like under contract, yeah, this dude. Uh, and he asks her, somehow she traps him. Yes, she definitely, like, at this point, after she's been in Paris, like, knows exactly what he wants to hear. 
And I think this sort of second part of the movie, when they're in Paris, she's basically play acting uh-huh. the ro- a romantic comedy lead. Yeah, yeah. Like, sh- like, Which is why I don't believe this romance. I, well, I don't really believe the ending. Yeah. But I believe that she, she knows, because she knows what he wants to hear. She knows how to flirt and, like, she knows how to make him think that he has some power in the relationship. And there's a scene where they're in a, the backseat of a car and they're doing this like witty banter with each other that reminded me of, you know, it happens one night or any of those romantic comedies. And, but you know that Babyface is like playing this part and he thinks he's like getting one over on her, but she's, she's still completely, I don't know about cynical, but like, She's not who she appears to be to him. Yeah, and here's a line from the movie. Mm. He's like, I bet the inside of your apartment looks nice. Or something. Oh, yeah. So I don't know if she was supposed to say, Oh, yeah, you want to come see it? Oh, she doesn't sound like that at all. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> That's pretty good. Or if he's just making her feel better about living in a dump with, like, old world plumbing. Yeah. I wonder. Because he, he's, like, supposed to be so rich. And she's already, like, doing well. Because her apartment keeps getting nicer and nicer. But then, yeah, in Paris, um, he shows her, like, the true 1% or whatever. Yeah, they meet, like, a duke. Oh, yeah, and there's, like, a crazy, um, fun, like, rich aunt yeah. character that comes in. And then I guess they go to, like, Cannes or the Mediterranean because they're on a yacht. They're on a boat, apparently. Yeah. Uh, and within three days, he proposes to her. Or, no, within three days, he's in love, and she's like, you know what I really want is to have a... A misses on my tombstone. Yeah, she says that sort of nonchalantly, but then and then he's like, "What are you talking about?" And she's like, "Oh, well, it's not that big of a deal. Never mind. I guess like whatever. It's cool." Um, and then it's like perfect. And then of course <laughs> he proposes to her immediately. And then there's like the great you know spinning newspaper shot uh-huh. of like you know grandson or like president of so and so bank weds the, the like, like the mur- the murder suicide girl. Yeah. <laughs> So, like, everybody knows she's the murder-suicide yeah. girl. It's, like, very, like, Chicago. Like, totally. The mistress yeah, yeah, of the yeah. clank. Or, yeah. No, I don't know what they said. Um, yeah, she's, like, I mean, it reminded me of, it's very, like, Kim Kardashian. Yeah. It's, I mean, that is such a, like, well-worn, just sort of, I mean, Kim Kardashian was never, like, rags to riches, but, like, <laughs> you know, Beverly Hills to riches. I don't know. Yeah. But it's that, you, yeah, using your sexuality to to get what you want. And I guess Nietzsche invented that, according to this? Yeah. I don't know. According to the movie, it was Nietzsche's idea. Um, yeah, so so they're engaged, or they're married then. Yeah, they're married, but then the bank, the bank's, like, board is like, this is going to ruin us. Yeah, I think the, I think it's independent of this relationship. Is the ba- It's just sort of the, the Great Depression, and so the bank just goes belly up but it's like the nail the final nail in the coffin. okay yeah because they want to indict him yeah he's indicted he is held on half a million dollar bail and i guess like they're held on a million dollar bail because he gifted babyface half a million dollars and she says someday i'll have the other half that she finds out he needs her half million in order to fight fight the, the charges indictment. yeah and like the half a million dollars that he gives her is just a suitcase full of like some cash, some pearls, some jewels. It's just like whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's just a little bit of everything. This tiny tan. And she just like carries it around. Um, <laughs> she carries it around New York City. Yeah. Unsupervised. 
Um, but this is her like nest egg. And so she has to decide, do I leave with this half a million dollars that he gave me or do I help him fight the charges and I have to like give him, you know, back this money. Yeah. And so first she's like, fuck that. I worked really hard for this. I read my Nietzsche. I like slept with all these like gross guys and young John Wayne and. Oh, we'll get to that in a second because I, I do need to talk about that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so she leaves and like Takes tries to money. go back to Paris. She has a uh, Chico pack up all her stuff. Yeah. She's on a boat about to go back to Paris. She plays, she plays the record that's the whole soundtrack of the movie. Oh yeah. It's like, uh, it's like, you know, that thirties, whatever. And she has a flashback to all the men she slept with. This is, I mean, I love this movie so much, but like, this is one of the best parts. Yeah. And it starts with the guy from the train. Yeah. So yeah, so she's playing the record and then you just zoom on, zoom in on like the actual record and then like superimposed are their faces. Yeah. And so, yeah, it goes, let's see. So it's the train guy, the fat Southerner. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, John Wayne. John Wayne. That's why, this is when I learned she had slept with John Wayne. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, then, I just assumed she had slept with literally every man that <laughs> has a speaking line in this movie. Not the cop. Not the cop, but she flirts with her and not her father, probably. Oh, and not the oh, like gross God. guy at the beginning Jeez, yeah. that she like rebuffs. Oh, there was a hot guy in the beginning. The guy that was shirtless. Oh yeah. So yeah, all the um like the saloon goers, there was like a hot, beefy shirtless guy who propositions her and I thought because he's like, Oh, let's walk over to the whatever and fuck. And she says she's gonna do it, but then I don't think she gets to. I don't think she wanted to, she just said. She just says, I would have. No, she just says it to get him to leave her alone. Yeah, I would have. Made oh, a you would decision. have. Okay, yeah. I thought you were playing babyface. Yeah, I would have. Yeah, <laughs> walk, run, <laughs> hopscotch. <Yeah. laughs> um. So yeah, then John Wayne, then the like the cute vice president. No, no. After John Wayne is her, oh, the, uh, John Wayne's boss. boss, and then the cute vice president. Okay, and then the first the old president. the old president, and then and then George Brandt is the finale or yeah. the last guy. It's actually, I think she could have been happy with the president. Yeah, I think she was probably fine, like being his mistress and yeah. just uh, just getting becoming a kept woman in that beautiful penthouse. She called him baby. That's oh, maybe did. where the title came from. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I wonder if babyface was like a a common nickname for a woman at that time or this like started I mean I don't know if it was a craze that people called each other baby face <laughs> but if it was just like the first time that that was like a term well you know she kept face visage a mask playing a baby innocent it's all the themes wow. of the movie yeah oh yeah yeah she is she's playing it's a mask that's she's, yeah, she's playing demure but she's really this hardened slut Right, and we're saying that in the most sex positive way. Yeah, like we're just saying slut is a totally objective yeah, term. Yeah, like she did, she played her cards right. Oh my god, she's like my hero. And so the, until so, the very end. So then, look at this record. There's a voiceover from George Brent, uh, who's like, uh, "I swear to you, I'll make you love me as much as I love you," or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she realizes she's in love with him. She grabs her half million dollar suitcase, leaves Chico on the boat. Runs back to the bank where I guess the president lives in the penthouse. Sure. I forgot that she left Chico on the boat. Yeah. That's so rude. I feel like she would just come back. Yeah, yeah, I'm not yeah. too worried about Chico. No, she can... She can. But anytime I read any book from that era, like I just read Giovanni's Room, like anything oh, yeah. like that, I'm like, how do people find each other? I know. I mean, it would, it would take all day. It would take all day. Oh, I love Giovanni's Room. 
Yeah, it's good. Also Paris. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Also, God, yeah. Also gay. Also gay. <laughs> uh, so she she runs off the boat. She goes back to the penthouse. He's not in their apartment, which was past the elevator, up a flight of steps. She <laughs> Then she had to leave back down the steps, went to his office, and it turns out he shot himself in the stomach. Oh, yeah. So she, uh, that so he shot himself in the stomach. Yeah. That made, okay, because I didn't see any blood, but I didn't see, like, a head wound. I was confused as to where he had well, shot himself. Well, didn't show any blood in this movie. No. But then when he was on the ambulance... They he had a little boo boo on his stomach. Oh right right right. So he's like flittering in and out of death. Like his eyes are going in and out. And she has a change of heart. She wants to save him. So yeah, she gets on the ambulance. Does she have her? She has her jewel. Oh yeah, she has her jewels. Yeah, there. she sp- she She's drops sp- her luggage on the ambulance. <laughs> and the EMT's like, uh, ma'am, you might want to like take that suitcase. And she's like, it doesn't matter anymore. Which um, I mean, it's come on. If he dies, you need that. Yeah, well, because, like, he didn't write... Well, no, he. I guess they're married, so he... But she's just going to carry his debts. If he's, like, indicted, if he dies, she doesn't get... Like, the bank is going to repossess all but of her funds. But indicted for what? Indicted for... I don't know. The bank... I think it's just, like, a shitty... Fraud? Like, a Bear Stearns, like, bank fraud thing. They don't really go into that. Well, Lehman she wouldn't Brothers. be in trouble for that, so... I guess not, but, like, isn't... um What's her face? Bernie Madoff's wife? Like, isn't she... I don't know. She's probably evil. She probably did something. Yeah. So so he lives. She gives him the jewels, I guess. And then the movie ends. No. Right? Did I forget something? <laughs> no. You're, you're best reading the ending. Uh, <laughs> she says she'll give him the money, but he's like still going in that consciousness. We don't know if he's going to pull through. We assume he is. So you think that she's still lying to him? No, no, no. I just... I want to believe that she's still playing. It's not. But... It's not like he hops up and he's okay. No, no, no. no. But I, I believe she's. She loves him. Yeah. Because she ran off the boat. But, I guess I want to believe that she's still fucking with him, and she's still gonna like get hers and not and not be domesticated, right? No, she had the half mill. But she's. But they're. But they're probably gonna get that taken away during the trial or whatever. No, she's right? in Paris. I don't think they would take her money that he gave to her. Okay. Well, I mean, I think in a marriage, like it's communal property. So I think she would be on the hook if 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 he's indicted. I don't know. I don't think so because it depends. It's his actions. Maybe if it was his money, I don't. It doesn't. Yeah, I guess sense. I don't know if, what the actual charge is, but I would like to think that. And she they don't explain it. No, <laughs> just see. But I think even in these like pre-code movies, they want some sort of happy domestic mm-hmm. ending. I just hope that like she doesn't totally forget her Nietzsche. And she, no, she, she had her chance to forget. I I know. I'm just saying. I would like, and you're probably reading this movie right, but yeah, I, I am. <laughs> I just wish that it was a little bit more of an ambiguous ending, and we would see like a little wicked grin or something at the end, where you know that she's gonna like, if it comes to that, she's gonna she's gonna fuck with him. I agree, because yeah, now he's poor. Yeah, or but maybe yeah, who knows? Who knows? We'll have to wait for Babyface Part Two, the <laughs> trial. Part Two, the trial. Uh, but I guess the original ending was he just died. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So let's talk about a little bit about the um, the history of this movie. is so crazy. So uh, even though it was pre-code, well, it was released in this form. I guess yeah. originally in 1933, and then in subsequent releases, they cut out four minutes of I guess the most salacious, salacious stuff, and then also the Nietzsche part, like at least that quote oh, or something. Oh. Yeah, which is apparently why 
two, for 80 years or whatever, this movie was not that well regarded and didn't even really make much sense to people. Um, it was well, sort of I think they cut, they cut out where she confronts her father for being a terrible dad. Oh, okay. That was one of the scenes. Cut oh, yeah, out. that's a good scene. Uh, but then in 2004, they found the additional four minutes of footage and and put it back in, and then there was, it was like a re-release, and now it's considered, I guess, a great movie? I mean, I thought it was a great movie. That was good, yeah. It's fun. I, I, it I'm fun, such yeah. an easy lay with these movies. I just <laughs> I love all of them. It could have been a little more like, uh, did they all really? I guess they address it. What? I just I still believe that like the the vice president that she that she hooks up with, he catches her with the previous guy. Like none of this was like unknown. Yeah. I mean, they do address it because she's like, "What am I supposed to do? He was my boss." But I don't know. Yeah, they don't mind. I mean, it is they they don't mind that she slept with. But like, I don't know. Should they? They shouldn't mind. They were all very. Also, she, progressive. Yeah, as she got more experience, she got paid more. Yeah, like, yeah, that's yeah. Just a, it's a career path. Totally. She's getting better and better at it. Uh, but I didn't like it. And the Nietzsche stuff, while a little... It, 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 it had some... This professor relationship needed clarity. Also, why... I guess he just wanted to create some powerful woman. Yeah, it is a weird, I mean, and just Nietzsche as a philosopher is, like, I don't think that we should subscribe to his philosophy. It's very dark and very cynical and very nihilist, so... But maybe it was hot then. I think then, I mean, during the Great Depression, you have, you know, Roosevelt with the New Deal, but then you have this, like, this reactionary sentiment and of individualism, and I think Barbara Stanwyck really believed in that shit, because she, I mean, it's not too far off from her life. I don't, I don't think she was as, like, sexually voracious as Babyface, but... Well, I guess we don't know. She was ambitious. Uh, well, great. I'm glad. I, I give it a full-throated thumbs up, and Blake, you give it what? I give it a thumbs up. Thumbs up, yeah. There, there are some moments I was laughing for the right reasons, sometimes for the wrong reasons. Which, yeah, that's and that's camp. So, and that's camp, yeah. Like, I don't I don't know. this. I guess the, the, the camp point of this movie, or like why this lives on as like a... And it's funny that Paul Rowan, when he wrote these reviews, he was seeing the, the sliced up part. He yeah. This was not, this was before 2004. Well, it's probably campier without motive. I guess so, yeah. Yeah, you're just seeing her like flit from guy to guy, guy to guy. And, and they fall for it every time. That's yeah. what's campy. So maybe it used to be campier and now it's better. Uh, oh, before I forget, let me read a little bit of Paul Rowan's review. Oh, there's a beautiful picture of her. Yeah, a beautiful young picture of Barbara Stanwyck. She's very pretty. Babyface is Barbara Stanwyck as a canny businesswoman who keeps her eye on the main chance. She starts out as a lowly tavern wrench wench getting <laughs> pawed by the likes of Nat Pendleton with a shirt off and glistening with sweat. Oh, that's the dude. Yeah. That's the hot guy. Matt Pendleton. Nat Note to self. N-A-T. Nat Pendleton. I wonder what he's up to now. I'm sure it's a skeleton six feet under. Uh, but she dares to dream of better things. The wise old man of the neighborhood tells her, you don't realize your potentialities. She sees his point. He does say potentialities. But yeah, this they don't talk about Nietzsche in this review, so he probably doesn't even know that Nietzsche's part of it. She sees his point when her scummy dad tries to get her to be nice to a local politician. Dad gets killed when a still explodes in his face. As for the politician, he doesn't escape unscathed either. Barbara hops a freight to New York. On Wall Street, she picks out a suitably phallic skyscraper and resolves to work there. Oh. Have you had any experience, inquires the horny young man in the personnel department? Plenty, says Barbara, hurting him into a deserted office. Voila, she's suddenly a filing clerk. If you want to read more, find 
an out of print <laughs> uh, copy of this book. I didn't think of the building as a phallus. I guess all buildings are phalluses if you think well, about the it. Art, art Deco kind yeah. of. Was that? Sp- it wasn't the Empire State Building. It just looked looked like the Empire no, State Building. No, it was building. the Gotham Building, or oh okay, it was the Gotham Company, or I don't know. Yeah. Um. That building might not exist. I'm sure it was just like a six inch model yeah, yeah. on the Warner Brothers lot. Or who knows? It's movie know. magic. It's movie magic. Uh, so a lot of uh, every time she leveled up, there was a new set. Oh yeah, and it like was more elaborate than the last. I mean, it's truly. I guess I wonder if is that how real office buildings are laid out? Like the higher the floor, the more prestigious it is. If, Probably if they own the whole building, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, I guess no one like old, owns a whole building anymore. Some people do, I'm sure. I'm sure. Like, I just want a better view. Or, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, that'd be fun to like work in an office. <laughs> it's not. Oh, I guess not. <laughs> I, mean, I work on the 21st floor. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. That's just like that Joni Mitchell song. With the parking lot? No, the one about uh, you have your name on the door on my the 21st name is Luca? floor. Yes, my name is Luca by Joni Mitchell. We're done here. Okay. <laughs> uh, thank you so much, Blake. Before we go, I ask every guest on this podcast if you were... I or both of us were to write a third volume of High Camp with movies not included in the first two books. What would be a movie that you would nominate to add to the list? Hmm. There's so many. Uh, mm-hmm. Elvira, anything Elvira. Ooh. But I don't know if that counts because she no, I don't know. Does she do like an actual movie? Yeah, yeah. Elvira, okay. Mistress of the Dark. I think my real entry would be Drag Me to Hell. Drag Me to Hell by, is that Sam Raimi? Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. Have you seen it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that is a great movie. Uh, explain a little bit about it. Well, you know Gypsy's like a slur now, so I'm going to try. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, tr- it's, I'm going to try to work my way around it. Romani. Or R- Roma. Traveler. Uh, I mean, they'll have to address it when it enters the camp canon. They'll fix it. Uh, oh, no, they won't. <laughs> <laughs> but it's about... Uh, this girl who's a really good actress, forget who it is. Uh, she's great in it. Though. She's so good yeah. in this. She denies a bank loan to this old Romani woman who curses her to go to hell. And she, it's about her trying to break this curse. Her boyfriend's Justin Long, who I don't actually like that no, much. Uh, speaking of trap, <laughs> he's, 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 he might I be a very know. nice person. He's a nice person, but he, he, he was okay in this. Uh, and it's about her fighting off this, curse and she goes to like make it right she finds out her button was cursed and she has to return the button to the old woman and when she goes to return it the old woman's dead like the old woman's body like grabs her hair and like pukes yeah. in her mouth like there's a lot of like food stuff and like digestion and yeah gross practical effect body yeah. horror type stuff it's just very funny and she digs up her corpse and <laughs> at some point and calls her a bitch. I don't know. It's just very oh, funny. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't take itself too seriously, but it also is like legitimately sort of scary, I think. Yeah. Oh, and there's like a goat that talks. Yeah, Remember yeah. that goat? No, but it's oh, been a while. Like the demon that's haunting her <laughs> uh, inhabits a goat, and they're supposed to kill the goat when the demon's in the goat's body. Oh, okay. But it fails, and the goat like calls her a bitch or something. I don't know. Great. What a wonderful nomination. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, I guess that's it. Um, any, so this episode will come out September. Anything you want to plug? Any exciting? I hope it's not on the 11th. I'll say that. (laughs) Well, (laughs) it might be. Now it will be. Now it will be. Um, nothing to plug. Uh, just find me on Twitter at Blake Wilding. Find me on Instagram at Blake Wilding. Uh, 
I'm trying to get representation next year, so I'll have that shit out. Any industry people listening to this podcast, <laughs> Blake is unwrapped. Yeah, James Marsden, do it. <laughs> See what you can do. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. You can follow this podcast at High Camp Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Also follow me at Ruckerbry on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, if you like the podcast, please rate us five stars on the Apple Podcast app and write a nice review. Or listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, you can also listen to my other podcast, Goop Yourself. And I think that's it. Uh, we will, or I will at least, see you next week. <laughs> All right, bye.